Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, yes, welcome back, everybody, once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 131 for April the 21st, 2018. Once again, I'm your host, Jack, and I'm going to be guiding you into, through, and back out of the worlds of systems administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. Please check out my website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows, and I hope that you uh, will do that. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, please shoot me an email. You can email me simply by emailing jack at tipsfromtheserverroom.com or jackstechcorner at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and as at technoman. Please don't forget if you're listening to the audio podcast and want to see me live and in living color, Check out the YouTube channel 42, the number 4, the number 2, Technoman. Or just search for Jack's Tech Corner on YouTube, and I'm sure you'll come up with the videos there also. I did create a playlist for Tips from the Server Room because I also teach Photoshop elements and photography on that channel. So I do have a playlist so you can go back and maybe catch all of the, uh, the past episodes. And don't forget, we are still on TuneIn. TuneIn Radio, you can catch us on TuneIn Radio. You can simply go to your Amazon Echo and say, uh, Alexa, play podcast tips from the server room, and it will give you our latest episode. So there's some great ways where you can uh, pick up this show and listen, and it's always available also on iTunes. So we are around. We do have the gamut out there of uh, places to put the show, so... Um, and it's nice. It's just nice that the show's out there so you can find it. It's really easy to find, and um, I hope easy listening, and uh, hopefully it's also uh, has a little knowledge behind it. So, hey, I did have, I'm going to give a shout out to a, a good friend of mine or a, a friend of mine that uh, we used to uh, hang out at tech meetings and stuff, and his name is Justin. Justin, thank you so much for the tips that you sent this week about using IIS as basic as a basic mail exchange server, uh, we were talking back and forth on Facebook, and we were basically discussing how we can use IIS to work as a mail, uh, like a mail uh, relay service, uh, for the better point, and uh, be able to get those copiers to send through that, so that way we can kill that old exchange server and throw it the heck out of the rack. Speaking about removing things from the rack. That's what we're going to be talking about this week, and this has came up at, at our school uh, that I work at, and it's basically wrapped around, this week's going to be wrapped around uh, security cameras and the networking of those security cameras and why it's so vital, and even if you're not in a school and you're in the industry, folks, there are cameras everywhere. So if you want to increase your resume and make your resume more appealing to more companies out there, Get involved with security cameras, understand how they work, understand the placement of them. We're going to be discussing that today 
And we'll also be talking a little bit about the backend server that you need to run all this stuff, as well as um, the devices we use, uh, the, the endpoint devices we use to view all this stuff. So it's an exciting episode, and it's something new and exciting and something I want to bring to attention since it's something that we're involved with. So it's also more like a story from the trenches. So let's get started this week with some security cameras and networking. First, I'll have you know that I've never been ever in my history of 30 years of technology. I've never been a security camera guy, uh, not involved in the networking aspect. Years ago, like in a basically almost another lifetime, it seems like uh, when I was a younger man, I did work retail security for Sears department stores uh, here in Washington, Pennsylvania. And I was tasked at that time with helping a company or helping a guy, maybe it was a maintenance guy, I don't quite remember, put the security cameras in and, um, you know, but that time it was all analog. We had, man, I bet you we must have had 30 little monitors. I mean, they were a little, they might have been, wow, I don't know, seven inch monitors, maybe, maybe nine, I don't know. But it's kind of funny to look back at that because we had like 30 of those on a wall. All right, and they built us uh, basically a rack system on you know on the wall, like let's say more or less like bookshelves, basically, where all those monitors was put. So each camera went into a separate monitor. You couldn't full screen it, you couldn't zoom with it, you couldn't do anything. We did have some, um, was it PTZs, pan, tilt, and zoom. There's a catchphrase for you for your resume. Say I know all about PTZs because I listen to tips from the server room. Uh, you're not going to know everything about a PTZ here, that's for sure. But it enabled us to do a pan, tilt, pan, tilt and zoom uh, on those particular cameras. But the stationary cameras, we had nowhere, there was no uh, software or anything back then to allow us to be able to zoom in and capture somebody doing something they shouldn't be doing. And the PTZs, as nice as they are, they always seem to be pointing away from the action. So with those 30 cameras we had i don't know if it was 30 vcrs we had a weird way of recording this stuff but the ptz's always seem to be in the wrong direction uh, but getting back to today's show i have never been outside of that a security guy and i had many vendors come into the school and we sat down with many many vendors we as i'm saying myself the maintenance manager as well as our police officer we have a police chief at the school and we sat down and we talked to them. We looked at their uh, their demos to see, like, what in the heck they had to offer us. And uh, the bottom line came down to cost, right, budgeting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about budgeting through this uh, episode. And, uh, you know, the importance of budgeting over the importance of safety, over the importance of all of these uh, th these damn school shootings going on now, it's absolutely ironic and ridiculous uh, we'd never seen this back in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up. So there you have it. But So over the past three months, I've been le uh, learning and adding some valuable skills to my resume. I've been working with, some, with some, again, some great vendors and uh, getting great working knowledge of the camera systems. You know, if you don't know something... Fest up to it. Admit it. If you're not a server guy, don't say, oh, yes, I'll put that server in for you, boss. Don't worry about it. I'll get it all set up on that Active Directory thing, and, and I'll make sure it has, like, four gigs of RAM in it and, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, 200 megabyte of hard drive space. 
If you don't know what you're talking about, stay away from it. Hire a vendor. Bring them in. Listen to them. Learn from their expertise. That's what people have. People have different expertise. Uh, just like I don't know many vendors out there that we talk to about security that know a darn thing about a smart board or a Promethean board. So this is stuff that you know you know about maybe because you work in a school or maybe you work on a digital display in a big office uh, complex or maybe you work with um, – you know, maybe you have an expertise at using um, um, like Skype or, you know, video conferencing equipment. We all have our niches. We we can't be an expert at everything. I know you may ask to be a, a, an expert of everything. We have people all the time calling and saying, hey, Jack, I have this Excel problem, and I'm trying to get the, the Excel, this one field – you know, to do all these multipliers and all this math, and then I want a bar graph to show on the next on the next page. And can you help me with there? And I said, no. Nope. We pretty much just install the software. So there you have it. That's just how it works. So, but anyway, let's keep moving on and uh, keep talking about today's camera systems. So first off, when placing a camera. Uh, and we looked around our school district, and the school district was set up uh, years ago by someone else. We don't know who uh, or whom. Um, but we were placing the cameras inside the school or inside your building. The bad thing about it, many, many people want to do one or two things. Either one, they want to buy a, a three or four megapixel high-end camera. And when you do that, it's going to cost a lot more money. And they want to put one camera on one end of the hallway and the other camera on the end or other end of the hallway and shoot them down the hallways. Now, the truth is you don't do it that way. The best way to do it is by one or two megapixel cameras. Start by putting two in the center of the hallway crisscrossing each other and then put two more at the end of the hallways. Folks, this way you have four cameras for a lower price than what you're going to buy two really high-end megapixel cameras. So these are things to think about. Camera placement is a very, very big deal. Make sure that you pull the cameras that you're putting in the center hallway far enough apart. We found a couple of our cameras that was too too close together. Now, folks, these are wide area or wide angle cameras. When you put them closer together, the kids are learning they can stand right beneath the center of the cameras and they can, you know, kiss goodbye. They can do whatever they need to do in the hallways, whatever kids do these days. And go to class and nobody would ever see them. So we pulled a ceiling tower out and we basically pulled one of the cameras back. And what it does is it actually opens up that wider angle view and now there's no more dead spots. And the idea by putting the cameras at the ends of the hallways, now you have more cameras, stationary cameras to zoom into the action that you want to zoom into. The next part you're thinking about or you should be thinking about if you have a flat network, and folks, once again, I am going to be teaching a class on networking and VLANing, uh, flat versus virtual networks, um, at the Brainstorm, uh, the Brainstorm conference in Cincinnati, Ohio, in May. Uh, there may be, still be tickets available to that, so if you'd like to come out and visit me, that would be a wonderful place to do so, and there's a ton of learning going on. It is all techs, for techs, by techs. So, you know, that's just a great atmosphere where you can sit and network with other folks and learn so much from each other. 
I often say that. We're not making Coswell cogs. If you remember that, that was from the Jetsons. So we don't have anything that we're hiding from one another. We want to be very open and say, hey, it works for me. It may work for you. So come out to the conference, you know, sign up for it and come visit us for a couple of days. I will be teaching a networking class there. So speaking about networking, you need to set up VLANs. Cameras in their very nature and film, if you've ever worked with film, if you've ever done such as this video here, this YouTube video, this YouTube video will probably come out to be um, like maybe, let's say, a gig and a half, something like that, uh, because it's HD video. And when you're working with video out of these cameras, and as much as it's recording, it's going to be putting a lot of stress on your network. There's a lot of data being transferred from those cameras to your servers, and they're going through your switches. So, folks, if you have a flat network, an absolute flat network, what's going to happen is you're going to cause a lot of data collisions, right? A lot of data collisions out there. We don't want that to happen. We want to have our networks vlan out. So what we did, we created a security VLAN. And I'll tell you on the very next sentence why that even makes more sense. So we created a security VLAN and all the cameras are on that virtual network. The server that runs all this is also on that virtual network. We also have all the monitoring stations for security and police on that virtual security network. That way everything's running on its own, la on basic own layer, own network, however you want to say it. It's all running by itself. And the reason you want to do that, like I said, is to slow or stop those data collisions. The next thing, if you've never heard of this, get a book out, go to Google, go to YouTube, and learn about this next section, an ACL. So what is an ACL? An ACL is an access control list. It's the way that we control the flow of information, either uh, allow it or deny the flow of information from one network to another. We use an ACL. It's very easy to set up. I mean, it's basically one line. I do everything in the command line because I'm very old schooled. I'm sure there's a GUI interface uh, on your layer three switch where you can go in there and you can set up an ACL. So an ACL will say like basically um, allow, you know, uh, or no, basically what ours says is very simple. Deny all other traffic outside of this IP range. That's it. And why do we do that? We don't want the students to have access to our security cameras. You don't want the bad guy to come into your building, plug into a network jack, and have access to your security cameras. So keep it on a different VLAN and build an access control list around those own, you know, those private networks. And be very cautious about who knows that IP scheme. But if you control your switches like I do, I believe 100% in controlling my switches to the point is, if I plug something in a port, it is put on that particular VLAN. If it's an IP phone, it's on a VLAN. If it's a computer, a data connection, it's on a VLAN. If it is one of our Apple TVs, it's on its own VLAN. And so forth and so forth. The reason I do that is I separate the data out, and I know when somebody plugs in that jack, what IP address they're going to be getting, and I know... Down inside my brain somewhere, I know exactly what they're going to have access to and what they're not allowed to have access to. If you are like some of these guys out there, and I've been in networks, I've done a lot of consulting work, and I've walked into networks before, 
and I'll go in there and I'll start poking around and I found out that every single VLAN is on every single port. What the hell are you thinking? Because what happens there when you do that, you're basically building a flat network. You're you're truncating basically all those ports to say, look, allow any data, any traffic to flow across all these ports. You're not VLANing anything. That's a catch-all. Don't ever catch all your network. Be very, very specific. Why am I so passionate about this? Because I love networking. Uh, earning my network plus not too long ago. You know, uh, being in networks for so many years, I love networking and I love controlling access to what needs to be there and what they don't need access to. And today in the world of cloud storage and, and cloud emails and very few people need access to your servers anymore. So you can be very specific of who you want access to your security system. It should only be your police officers. Uh, if you're in a school like us, the principal, if you're in a, uh, a corporate environment, it would be the CEO, the CIO, the COO, and anybody else that has a C after their name, see them because they'll probably want it also. So that is an ACL. So it's an access control list. We're basically controlling access to the separate IP address schemes. Now, when choosing a backend server, don't go cheap so many people say well you know it's security nothing ever happened in here you know before this has been a, a really good business and you know nobody's ever came in here and started shooting the place up or worse yet nobody ever came in here and robbed the place at night well let me tell you what happened one time at our school let me just give you a little insight and this happened on a saturday it wasn't a break-in it wasn't uh, a mischief uh, child it wasn't a disgruntled employee. No, it was a machine that malfunctioned. The machine malfunctioned, started a fire. The fire department had to come in. The police department or our on-site police wanted to investigate and see what the heck happened. How did that machine start a fire? And why did the fire department have to be called on a Saturday to our school? We were able to go to the server. Being that we didn't go cheap, and uh, this is actually the one that we're replacing, but we had enough footage from Saturday. And the only reason those cameras, and if you know anything about security, most camera systems do not record until there's motion. The motion has started the recording. The reason the camera thought that there was motion is the smoke. The smoke came up and changed the, the focal point of that camera, changed the, the view of the vision of that camera. And the camera started recording. It was amazing. I didn't realize it would do that. I mean, see, I'm not a security guy. But we were able to pull all the footage from the time that machine uh, was heating up, from the time that machine was starting a fire, until the point was when the fireman came in. Um, it recorded people coming in the morning to clean it up on a Saturday. You know, uh, cleaning guys came in and cleaned the whole uh, shop back up and got it, you know, ready for Monday morning once again. Monday morning came along. There was, you know, nothing. You couldn't really even tell outside of the, the burn-up piece of machinery. And I'm not talking a big major fire. Uh, the fire department did a great job. Uh, and I want to say a special thank you to the men and women out there that either volunteer to be a fireman or you're a paid firefighter um, or you're in you know, protective services, police officers or whatnot, or if you're medical personnel uh, on the ambulances or in the hospitals. Thank you so much for your service. It is because of the quick response of that fire department that you probably saved our school. So thank you so much for doing that as a volunteer. That's a big, big calling. 
So don't go cheap on the server. Get yourself a fast multi-core processor with no minimum, no minimum of, uh, of at least 32 gigs of RAM. You know, I would do 64. Why not? It's not going to hurt. It's going to make it that much better. You need a fast processor because it's processing all that video content as it's coming in that server. It's coming in that server, and it's got to process that video and record it. If your processor sucks, if you think, oh, I got a, you know, an AMD, you know, 2 processor, and it was from an old machine, and it's not going to work, folks. Don't go cheap on that server, man. Spend the money for it. Also... Make sure that you have enough hard drive space for 30 days of retention. There is no law that we can find in Pennsylvania that states how long we must retain our video. So as a golden rule and with our school district's uh, school board policy, um, and if your school board is wrapped around the whole idea of security, they probably wrote a policy. The school board says we want to maintain 30 days retention. How did they come up with 30 days? Very simply, they asked the police officer, what do you think? And he said, I think 30 days would be a pretty good idea. It's a good number. So after 30 days, the video starts overwriting itself. So, But have 30 days retention. It never hurts to have more hard drive space. And remember the life of hard drives, folks. Hard drive is one of those things that you will never use. You'll never use less. Okay, sometimes you use less. Like we don't have a file server anymore at the school because everything is on Google Drive. Everything's in the cloud nowadays, but uh, but that is growing. Uh, that is growing. We were pulling reports the other day to to buy a new backup service uh, for our Google Suite, and it's growing pretty large. I mean, so there's a lot of people keeping a lot of stuff nowadays. People don't like to clean their files out. It's too, it takes too much time. So you're going to have a lot of retention. We also chose to have two NICs. Now, why do you want two NICs? Basically, just so you can offload that data through two different network channels. You know, it's it's a good idea, and I think what's going to happen, we, we just purchased this new server, um, and it's actually, they refer to it as a DVR. It's an all-in-one unit. It's very, very cool, uh, very um, well-built unit. It's a 2U unit, so a 2U rack-mounted unit, and it's going to be replacing four servers from our current video system. Our current video system uses four different servers. And they're all starting to fail. The archiving, I think we talked about before, is failing to the point where the archive, and, and I got a big that uh, a boy. Now, don't you like those every now and then as a tech person? Hey, you did a great job. Man, that was pretty good. You know, we really applaud you for that. You know, we don't need more money. We don't need more fame. We just need a that boy every now and then. Well, that server was crashing hard. It was, they weren't retaining any video from day one to day two to day three. Nothing. And I found it had two failed hard drives. And it was messing up to the point where the RAID wasn't acting as a RAID anymore. It was dropping data packets like crazy. So being this server that we have, the SAN actually, the SAN storage unit. So it is rather old. And I couldn't find any new drives for it anywhere. So I turned to my good old friend eBay.com. And use your resources. Don't ever be one of these tech people who's like, well, I can't find it, so I guess I'm going to have to go out and buy a whole new server. And Use your resources. You are the solution provider, and we provide solutions. So think outside of that virtual box that we live in and say, look, I'm going to go to eBay. I found two drives. We got them in. They were cleaned up already, formatted. They were tested. 
I threw them in. The raid rebuilt itself, and we got another like three or four months out of that server until the board made a decision to buy us the new one that we've been seeking. And that's what you have to have is buy-in because you're not going cheap. You're going to get three or four uh, quotes in, and you're going to be looking at these things. You're going to give those to your school board or your administration or your CEO or your officer of of, of your building or whatever. And they're going to go, well, there's one for 9000 There's one for 30000 There's one for $40,000. do not take the $9,000 one. It's $9,000 for a reason. It's probably a piece of crap. Don't do it. I always force them, and I always push them and lead them into the mid-range. So do mid range thirty to forty thousand. They were both the exact same units, uh, and you know we just made the right choice with this particular vendor. If you want to know the vendor's name, if you if you have any uh, need for this, uh, you can always just email me. Uh, like I said, jackstechcorner at gmail dot com. I will send you uh, the vendor's name, and by all means, you can contact them and talk to them. They are really really good. The next thing is don't use old monitors. I've seen this too much in uh, business, of course. Uh, prof- for-profit business is probably the, the biggest lackers of this. Not all of them. Uh, some people understand, but I was with uh, one small company for like three weeks, and I had to run the hell out of there because it was so god-awful that, you know, even just being there, made me probably want to throw up every day. And if you go to work and you want to throw up every day and you're driving home and think it'd probably be better to drive off the bridge than to go back to that job the next day, you probably need to get away from that job. That's exactly what I did very, very quickly. Their newest laptop was like six years old. That was their newest. Their whole entire business, their whole sales team, their whole financial, their whole inventory, everything runs on the backbone of computers. Their newest laptop was six years old. Uh, their newest server, I think, probably was running Windows Server 2000. And I, you know, I, I pleaded with them and tried to tell them, I said, look, you hired me in here as an expert. And they said, well, we hired you in here as an expert so we didn't have to spend any money. Just so we say we have you here. Uh, so if anybody asks, it's like, yeah, we have one of them tech people. <sighs> it was horrible. So anyway, and they would do that though. Their video cameras would go back to like a like a I don't know like a six inch monitor on a desk that nobody looked at. It was covered in filth, and uh, they had like you know twenty uh, twenty screens on there, so who could see anything? Do not scrimp on your monitors. Don't use old monitors. We bought the police officer two forty inch flat screen TVs. Well, flat screen's all you can buy nowadays. And we placed those uh, right at eye level on, you know, up on the wall from his desk. And he has every single camera laid out on those two forty inch screens. It is amazing. If he clicks on one particular camera, boom, it's full screen. He can see exactly what's going on. He can zoom in. He can do everything he needs to do as a great police officer does. And that is what we want to do. We provided a solution to that policeman. So we bought him a couple TVs. Now, once you get everything set up, this is the big thing. This is the big place everybody fails. Everybody, we failed, I failed in the past. Um, you know, at the last school I worked at, I pushed this and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And I got pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. What I'm talking about here is training people. It's very easy to train police officers because they want to learn. Police officers have to qualify with their weapons. They have to qualify with stun guns. They have to qualify with mace every single year. So they understand the importance of training. It's going to save lives, right? That's why they have these uh, these shooter trainings in schools now. 
You know, we have to go through this training where they teach us, like, if this happens, do this. They want to make it so it's just a normal, everyday occurrence for your brain to be able to do this. But in a school, like the last school, was the pushback. Hey, we got these great new smart boards. We got these great new uh, laptops. We got these great new Chromebooks. Uh, we want to have, like, um, we want to have a training when the teachers come in in August, and we want to train them on this stuff, you know, maybe for a, a three-hour training. Oh, no, 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 that ain't going to happen. Uh, me and my partner used to look at each other and be like, what the hell? You can't train? You bought all this stuff? No, 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 no. We bought it so, you know, it's in there. So when we have, you know, basically open houses, parents went, oh, you got technology. That looks really good. You know, they don't really need to know how to use it. They just need to have it in the room. Well, what is that crazy thinking? Right. We wanted to give them training every single year because we want the teachers to use it. Uh, the new school that I'm in now, you know, we, we're allowed to train the teachers. Um, we fought for like three hours uh, at the beginning of the school year and we were granted it. It's like that sounds like a great idea. You have to show them this new stuff. You know, we moved everybody over to Gmail off of Exchange. We threw their Outlook away. We had a lot of information to get to these teachers. We bought Chromebooks for all the students. We had to tell the teachers how they worked. We put them through a, a Chromebook training so that way they were uh, more inclined to be able to use them and understand what the student is doing with them. And we got thanked a million times over because that's the proper way to do things. So if you have technology and you're not allowed to train people on it, don't buy the technology. Give them – give them. Uh, let me see if I have a clean paper. Give them a paper. Give them a pen and tell them, here, it's old school, sit down, take notes, and shut the heck up. That's not the way to have school anymore, but I do know a school district that's doing that every single day. you got to be up there. you got to get on board and learn technology so you can help the students use it. It's very, very important. So training our police officers, they're, they're gone ho. I mean, they brought the server in on Friday, and the police officer was like, can we start training today? And I said, Man, let let the guys get it configured. Let's get it all set up and running and everything. Get the software configured and get the user base set up, and then we'll go for it. And they're like, "Okay, okay." Do you think Monday we'll be ready to train? They're ready to go. So I am so pleased to hear that. Uh, let's see here. Um, when you're setting up security cameras, take time to name each camera. If you go through your cameras and you're looking at them, and it says like. X394, X395, X3, you may not know what you're looking at. Or if you have a security guard, maybe you brought a new security guard in and they're watching the cameras and they don't know where that's at. You know, name it. Kitchen, uh, cafeteria, that's pretty easy. Hallway one, you know, or, or middle school hallway, high school hallway, or if you're in a company, you know, um, you know, west stairwell, east stairwell, name your cameras. It's very, very important. Next, set your cameras up with a good frame rate. We are using eight frames per second. And when our consultant, or not a consultant, our vendor is in there working with me, and he originally had them set for 30 frames a second. And I'm familiar with GoPros, and I'm familiar with um, recording video. Uh, I do it every every uh, weekend, almost every day on the motorcycle. And I, you know, put those on a YouTube channel. So I understand video. I run 60 frames a second because it's smooth. And I said, well, so 30 frames a second would be okay. That looks pretty good. He goes, we're not going to leave it at that. I said, why wouldn't you leave it at 30 frames a second? He goes, well, that's not going to happen. We're going to do eight frames a second. 
I said eight frames a second. That sounds like it. They're going to be like like ghost walkers, you know, like robot walking. But it was not. Uh, eight frames a second seems to be a sweet spot. It looks really good. Again, you got to trust your vendors. There's no jumping in the video, and it looks really, really fluent. Uh, let's see here. Next one. Given this project, I first tried to budget low. I did. Now, I'm like you guys watching this or listening to this uh, podcast. I tried to budget low. But by the end of the day, um, you have to buy the best system that you can afford. Make everyone aware that the system, the camera system, if you have police officers, if you have things, you know, if you put a camera system up and there's a monitor in a closet and nobody views the cameras, it's a very false sense of security. You know, it would be like arming everybody in your business, but not giving anybody any bullets. Yeah, that's a false sense of security. Um, you know, and, and that's happened in the past in the military, right? How about we've had military and being an ex-military guy, we've had military people out um, on patrols and they were not given live ammunition uh, because they had no shoot orders. It's like, no, nah. if there's enemy, you should be allowed to shoot. Same here. You don't want a false sense of security. We don't want those camera systems up because then we could tell people when they come in for open house, look at all the pretty cameras we have. They're everywhere. Who watches these? Uh, what, are you going to lie? <laughs> How many times are you going to the store and there's video cameras hanging everywhere? And if you ask the clerk, they're like, yeah, they're hooked to nothing. It's like those dummy cameras. You can buy them anywhere. You can buy those and put them on your front porch of your house. So a burger say, whoops, you got video cameras. But if it looked a little closer, they're not plugged into anything. There's no cabling from It's just, you know, it's a dummy unit. So make sure that somebody is there to watch uh, the camera systems and you have to make the people above you that is writing this check aware that this is security. This saves lives. It's very, very, so very critical. Uh, my last thought here coming up is to set up an outside IP address. And if you're a technologist and you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, set up a static address to that internal address where that uh, video server is. And the reason we do that is we want to allow the police department responding, the SWAT teams coming in, uh, the FBI, the CIA, you know, um, Homeland Security. I don't know. Whoever's coming in, we want to let them know and be able to let them have access to those cameras. Because if by chance, and I, I pray that this never happens, that any of our internal people, our police or our security people, and would get shot and taken out of the equation, I want the good guys to be able to see exactly who's there, where they're at, and be able to take them down. That's so critical. Or even you in a business, how many business-related uh, shootings have there been? How many postal shootings were there in years ago? You know, it's very critical that the police outside know where that person is inside and know exactly where to go get them. So make sure that they have an outside IP address. All right. So my last thoughts here is our our district is, is like yours, I'm sure, or like your business. We're very dedicated in keeping our students and our staff very, very safe. Uh, it shows uh, our police force is right now, I believe, seven uh, officers strong. We have a, a larger, I always joke though with them, we have a larger presence in our school than what we have in the town that I live in. So, um, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, and they explained it to me. They said, well, Jack, look, it's because, you know, we're so far out in the country that it would take a long time for anybody to get here. So we have to have a good presence on site all day. And, and I'm very thankful they're there. I joke with them, but I am thankful. I feel safe every day. So if it means spending a little money, 
then we are told to just do that. Spend the money to keep the kids or your staff safe. Let's face it, the life of one child is priceless and spending money to keep them safe is never ever an issue. Or in your company, spending money to keep the life of one of your employees, one employee, you hired that person for a reason, you made that person uh, whatever job uh, you know that they are doing is so important to your company, you want to keep that one person safe. If we save a life by spending, I don't know, $100,000, so be it. One person saved, $100,000 is nothing compared to life itself. Folks, I want to thank you so much for subscribing, downloading, and listening to this podcast. And uh, for those of you that watched the video at 42 Technoman, thank you so much. Today was a little bit uh, uh, over the top, I guess, because I am so passionate about security. Uh, and I'm so passionate about learning it. I mean, it is so interesting to learn about this stuff, these IP cameras and so very, very interesting. So that is why I was more emotionally charged today on this podcast than probably any that you've ever heard me on in the past 130 episodes. Uh, so we got to keep people safe. It's so important these days. Remember, once again, if you buy anything from Amazon, make sure you use my Amazon link. And as at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. For all you techies out there, shut those ad blockers off, huh? Give me a break. So you can see my ad. At least say, like, don't run this ad blocker on this domain. Very simple. You can see my ad. Put the stuff in your basket. I just did it the other day. I bought some stuff, and I clicked on my link, and I checked out. It doesn't cost you anything more. Also, don't forget to go to jtclearning.com. I know you want to learn Server 2008R2. Or is it 2008R2? Actually, up there right now. No, I'm sorry. It's 2012R2. I never moved the 2008R2 from the old site because it was starting to lose traction. But I know you want to learn 2012R2. I know you've been thinking about, I'd like to learn more about a server. Go over and sign up for that course today at jtclearning.com. It helps the show out a ton, and I really do appreciate it. And All the students in there are doing very, very well. So thanks again to everybody, and I do appreciate it. And I will see you back here next week on Tips from the Server Room. Bye-bye for now. You just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long.